Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn, you know... The Buffalo Bills lose 27-10 to to the Cincinnati Bagels in the AFC Divisional Round, and the 2022 season is officially over and has gone out in a whimper. Uh, Where to start? Um, You know, we've given ourselves 24 hours to reflect, to just, I've had time to collect my thoughts. Uh, Daniel, uh, this was, uh, embarrassing, uh, disappointing, uh, frustrating, uh, just some of the few words that are just my knee-jerk reaction to this game, but, um, there's, there's a lot that we need to talk about, but, um, the Bills season's over, the Bengals are moving on to the AFC Championship, uh, this game was not even close, uh, from the start to finish, it was all Bengals, all game long. Um, and yeah, uh, Daniel, I don't know how you're feeling. Um, you know, it's funny that we're recording this episode a year to the date that 13 seconds happened. Um, you know, last year feeling sad, but hopeful this year I'm feeling mad and pessimistic. Um, how are you, how are you feeling after this one? Because Bill's mafia is, doing a lot of soul searching on a Monday. I'm doing okay. I don't know. I mean, I've, trust me, we're, I'm pretty active on social media, you know, at two bills and a pot on Twitter or at great beer Han, right. Um, we're pretty active on Twitter in terms of bills content. And most of the people that I follow are, are Buffalo fans, right. Fans, media members, whomever, um, you know, there's a wide range of feelings, most of which are like, you know, and we'll get into it. Fire everyone, right? That seems to be the majority of the vocal people. But again, know your audience, know where you're talking to people from. You know, Twitter's probably that group, right? Like that's the that's the fire everyone group, right? That's just the normal way that social media goes. I'll tell you where I'm at, and there are a couple of thoughts in the game. You, you mentioned it; they went out with a whimper. That's probably the best way to describe that game in a nutshell. Um, no energy. Um, no real fight left in them. And I think that's where I go with this is they gave it a lot this season. They gave a lot before the season even started. They, they went through a lot. And I'm not just talking on the field, but off the field. And, and to only have four losses all year and the three losses in the regular season were all games. You're like, man, we should have won that one, right? None of them were really, you had no shot. This game they didn't have a shot. They were done early. It felt like a game where if they won, the Bengals would have made a massive mistake, right? It was the reverse of what every team feels like when you play Buffalo, which is, man, we need the Bills to make some serious mistakes for us to have a shot. This game felt like that, and it just seemed like there was no energy. They were beaten at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They were 
I don't even know if they were outdone schematically. It felt like it because of how how the game was. I mean, free rushers on Josh Allen. When Josh Allen was running the ball, trying to create something out of nothing, no help. I mean, the the guys were just standing around watching him do it. They they just enjoyed, to some degree, just watching him kind of fight through it. Um, there were several players who tried hard. <laughs> I hate to say that I'm at this point. Some of you guys tried real hard. Um, but I think where I'm at is that team just, they were gassed. They were out of energy. They went through a lot this year. It's not an excuse. But the only way that I can explain what happened on Sunday was they just they just hit their watermark. They they were they were on empty. Um, you're seeing reports about you know hey players are starting to admit that yeah practice was a little bit dull this week. We just didn't have it. We were trying our best. The coaches were trying their best to get us up and ready, and and they just didn't have it, which feels weird because the playoff game. It feels weird. You have that home playoff game that you wanted this whole time, but this just wasn't a normal season. There were a lot of things that emotionally had to get this team to recenter, focus on the next week. They did it more often than not, and you can get away with maybe being not 100% involved or mentally there against a lot of teams when you're as talented as this team was, but against the Bengals, against the Chiefs, ain't going to work. And I don't think it was for a lack of effort. I just think the team ran out of that resilient juice that they were running on all season and they tried to tap into it and they just couldn't, there was nothing left. So my takeaway is just a team that did everything and more that we wanted them to do all year. Just circumstances of the season caught up to them finally in this game. And it just seemed like it because of they're not a 17 point deficit from the Bengals but they certainly, certainly looked like it given the different levels of effort between the two teams. So there's two aspects that, first of all, in the game itself, I mean, the offensive line couldn't stop the Bengals' pass rush. And then the Bengals' offensive line, with only two healthy starting offensive linemen, had no issue. The front four was non-existent uh, for the Bills. Absolutely no pass rush on Joe Burrow. Uh, secondary got torched all game long. Um, you also look at the run game. Just Joe Mixon just ran through for six, seven, eight yards to carry. Um, th- just like you said, completely gashed on both sides of the ball. Um, and then the quote from Matt Milano after the game of, yeah, there wasn't any juice. I... I understand that this team has gone through a lot. And that is not to, you know, the with the Buffalo shooting, the two massive snowstorms, right? DeMar Hamlin, um, injuries with Micah Hyde and Vaughn Miller. They, you know, uh, Dawson Knox, his brother, passing away very suddenly at a young age at the start of the season. There's a lot that has happened this season. You know, uh, you know the punter situation at the start of the season, too, right, with Matt Ariza. You know, there was a lot. That's happened. And I just don't know how you don't have motivation to play. It's the playoffs. It's the goal that you've been searching for is we want to win the Super Bowl. You are at home. DeMar Hamlin is there. He he went into the locker room before the start of the game. You know, like all these things, like you can't tell... I, I really, I understand where the emotional lack of energy could have come from, 
But motivation, I'm sorry. I have a tough time understanding that. You had all the motivation right there in the world of, you know, you have a home crowd behind you, a sellout crowd. DeMar Hamlin, I was on the screen pumping up the crowd, caused the false start for the Bengals, right? You know what I mean? Like, motivation, them lacking it is just entirely, to me, that, that aspect of motivation is inexcusable to me. You shouldn't have to be searching for motivation when you're in the playoffs at home for a chance to go to the championship game. It just, and I want to be very clear that I agree with your point, that they were emotionally spent, that it felt like this team just ran out of gas, that it was a car that was kind of breaking down, had issues, some warning signs were on, but the car was still running. And this game, you went to go turn on the car. It, the battery was dead. Battery was dead. Engine was dead. Kaputs. And um, listen, this team has gone through a lot this season. I mean, it's been three weeks since DeMar Hamlin suffered his cardiac arrest. So it's been in a short time span, right? Uh, there's been a lot that's happened to this team. But it just... It felt like they weren't even trying. Like it felt, it just didn't look like there was a fight. You know, I was, I didn't get to watch the majority of this game. I was in the car on the way home from visiting family, listening to this on the radio, and it just every play, it just there wasn't a fight. It just felt like they laid down, and that's what's super disappointing. Is that listen, I. I'm not disappointed in the fact that they lost to the Bengals. The Bengals are a very good team. I very well was kind of anticipating that they could lose and would lose, right? You know, it's not that they lost the Bengals. The Bengals are a fantastic team. It's that they lost the Bengals and it wasn't even, there wasn't any chance. Like they, they there was no, it wasn't even close. Uh, they just got outcoached, outplayed, out-effort. And I have not seen that kind of just, defeatist kind of game from the Bills in a very long time. You're right on all your points, and I don't think I don't think it's an excuse that they were gassed, but you're correct. They didn't have any juice. I like the analogy of turning a car on when nothing was there. I'm just I think from my perspective, what happened in the game that you're gonna have to look back if you're Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, say, okay, what can we improve on next year? What happened? I mean, how did you run out of gas at this point in the season when you need it the most, right? When the competition, that, that margin of error is much closer, and we all know what's going to be, but how do you run out of gas then, right, of all times? And it's weird because they've gotten to this point in the past, right? This wasn't the first divisional round they've been in. This wasn't the first time they had to face a really tough opponent. But when you look at all the things they went through, and when I look at it and say, I think they were emotionally spent around and empty, I don't even mean just the game. I think all the preparation, the practice, the, the the video watching, I just think mentally they weren't there all week, and it showed up. They couldn't make adjustments. They weren't prepared for what the Bengals were throwing at them. It's like they never even expected it before. Um, the plays that were being called were kind of goofy, especially defensively. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to go find a picture of third and five, and there's like no DBs within 10 yards of the receivers, right? There's strange things that were going on, and again, that's is that coaching? Is that missing your read? Is that trying to the coach is trying to compensate for something that they saw in practice or the energy level and said, hey, we can't go man-to-man against the team because 
these guys ain't going to be man-to-man ready. So we just got to go zone and hope for the best. I mean, only the coaches and players know that stuff, right? Um, I don't think you're wrong in any of the points. And, and, and the fact is, why did they lose this game? They just weren't there. I don't know why they weren't there. I don't know where it went. But again, what I saw, what a lot of the players were saying afterwards, which is also kind of odd. I mean, like you said, that Matt Milano quote is, yeah, as a fan, you and I can say, man, we just didn't have it today. We looked lethargic. They looked like nothing was happening. But then the fact that a player says it, hmm, that's a little strange, right? That's a little bit, ugh, I don't know how I feel about that. And, and of course, when he goes to energy level, we typically go to coaching. That's a Sean McDermott thing. That's, you know, say what you want about the Rex Ryan bills. Those guys were always energized. I mean, they didn't know what the hell they were doing on most plays, but they were energized. They always had something to give. That's what coaches can offer. They, they can try to scheme as much as they want. You can try to compensate for deficiencies in talent or, or try to really confuse the other team. But other than that, you're there to make sure that this team is ready to go mentally, physically, all that stuff. And, and they didn't have it. And I don't think it was for a lack of trying on Sean McDermott's part. Um, and that's where I just get to, you know, the DeMar Hamlin thing. You're not blaming him, but he's back. They, they gutted through New England. They gutted through Miami. Um, it felt like this was going to be a trend that was going to happen at some point where it's going to catch up to them if they just didn't show up. And it wasn't mistakes. I mean, they made a lot of – they only had the one turnover on offense, which was, you know, down three scores and Allen trying to make a play, right? Um, there were a couple overthrows, like the play to Diggs early on the wheel route that Josh Allen just barely overthrew him. But even that play, you know, one of the defensive linemen for the Bengals just beat the offensive line, right? And it impacted the throw. Allen had to rush it. He had to flick it out there quickly, and he was just fingertips away um, for Stephon Diggs. I don't know what the adjustment is this offseason because, again, you look at that Chiefs game from last year and you're like, okay, we got to find some defensive backs. We got to improve something because those guys are just free running all over the field and we didn't get a single stop in the final game of the year and that can't happen again. This game, you know, if it was the regular season, you just burn the film, right, and move on. Say, that's not us. That's not who we are but this is the last image of this team that you're going to see going into the off season. So where do you go if you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, or even the players for that matter? What fuel are you taking from this game? I, I just go back, Jordan. I think they just ran out of energy, and that goes back to their preparation, their practice, everything. I don't know what happened this week with the team. I just I get the point DeMar Hamlin was there, but DeMar Hamlin had already been a rallying cry for this team for two and a half weeks leading up to this. Um, maybe he just ran out of pregame speeches using that. I don't know, but it it just they they turned on. I like your analogy. They went to turn the car on, and the engine just turned over. Nothing happened, and that's unfortunately that's your last image of a team that I thought went through a lot. They overcame a lot. They were dominant at times. Well, they were dominant at times considering they never really played that cleanly the entire year, and they just. They just light a giant goose yeah. egg, and, and it's hard to look schematically and say what happened because there was no effort on any play, really. And to the point about preparation, and this is a point I want to get on, Sean McDermott. Now, I want to be very, very clear. The Bills are not firing Sean McDermott, nor should they. I think Sean McDermott is a tremendous coach, and he's done a lot to turn this organization around. That being said, 
like you mentioned, with your point of preparation, you as a head coach, like, you have to motivate your team. And we look at the past losses, right? You know, last year was 13 seconds. The year before that, they get kicked in the key kicked into the teeth in the AFC Championship game the year before that. They have a heartbreaking loss to the Texans, right? We go on and on, right? There is a growing trend of failure in January. And to be honest, I don't think Sean McDermott is taking enough accountability. Um, There is that accountability in preparation where the Bills didn't seem, the Bills did not come prepared. They clearly did not. They had no answers to the Bengals' offense. They had no answers to get their offense going. Um, that I, I, I'm frustrated with Sean McDermott. He's not going anywhere, nor should he. But there has to be some sort of adjustment that he's got to look in the mirror this offseason, and he's got to say, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to fix? Because... To be honest, some of his coaching preparation scares me. And that leads into a point of our coordinators, Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier. You know, I'm not a fan of Ken Dorsey. I'm just being honest. I don't have faith in him. Are they going to fire him? No. Because to fire an offensive coordinator after one year is a really bad look. Um, But I really don't know... Ken Dorsey, I don't have faith in him as an offensive coordinator. I'm being honest. And then Leslie Frazier, again, for the most part, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. But the past two seasons, the final game of the season last year, 13 seconds, defense couldn't make a stop with 13 seconds left to go. This game, the Bengals just bullied from start to finish the Bills defense. Leslie Frazier has been in the mix for head coaching jobs last season and this year. Once again, after this game, I don't think Leslie Frazier is getting a head coaching job. Not after that performance. Um, And I'll get into it later, but like something needs to change with this team because what's going, what's happening now is not working. And we'll get into the player personnel side on that in a second. Um, But as it's constructed, it's not working. The Bills have, let's just be very clear, the Bills have fallen behind. It was the Chiefs and now the Bengals. You know, last year the Bengals have this amazing run and, you know, part of me is like, okay, is this kind of for real or is this kind of a one-year hit? After this game, it's very clear. It's for real. real. The Bengals are for real. Joe Burrow, absolutely amazing. That receiving core with Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd is, you know, Hayden Hurst, phenomenal. Joe Mixon is just that running back, right? They have a solid run game. Um, Now the Bills have fallen behind both the Bengals and the Chiefs. That, you know, we we asked ourselves, you know, last year the question and the, the, the goal was, okay, how do we beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Now this offseason is how do we beat the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals, because now they're sitting third in the AFC in terms of that hierarchy. And that's the reality of it right now. And as it's constructed, 
it's not good enough to beat either of those teams. So what are you going to do to change it? I will get into it later, but something's got to give. Something's There's got to be some major overhaul this offseason, whether it be in the roster, in coaching, mentality, or all three. Something has to drastically change this offseason because things as they are constructed now is just not good enough. And that's where we can go next. Because I don't think we really want to analyze this game because there's not much to analyze. I mean, the Bills just didn't bring the energy. There were free rushers on Josh Allen, which never happens, and clean licks and tackles being missed and free runners all over the place. So, you know, what has to change is going to be interesting. And it's going to be very, very interesting. Because, yeah, I think one year it was – we need to find people who don't drop the ball and play wide receiver, right? That, that was a fun year where it was find us anyone that doesn't drop the ball. And of course you end up with John Brown and Cole Beasley and they kind of responded pretty well. And that, that looked pretty good, right? Then it was, we need to beat the chiefs. And it was like that for the past two off seasons. And you look at the way this team's constructed with pretty athletic edge rushers, guys who can, if you escape out of the pocket, they can chase you down from behind at all angles. They have multiple defensive backs. Um, but they're built a certain way to beat Kansas City. But when you don't play Kansas City in the playoffs, can you beat everybody else, right? Can you get through them? And they could—they were a bad matchup for the Bengals. I mean, I hate to say that this game started identical to the Monday Night Football game that was cut short, but, but wasn't it? Bengals get the ball first. They trot down the field almost at will. Then they get the ball again and trot down the field almost at will after a three and out. It was, you know, that Monday Night game, because of DeMar Hamlin, obviously, it got cut short. But Bills had no stopping the Bengals on any play prior to that injury. Um, and this game started off the exact same way. And, and they're a tough matchup that the Bills just never made an adjustment that worked. And the issue this offseason, which we can start kind of shifting towards, is pretty simple. The thing that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have bought to, brought to Buffalo is consistency, continuity, culture, right? Culture is a big, big pillar. They went out of their way to establish it. They wanted to draft, develop, and retain. They brought in a coaching staff that's really, really good, but really not many of those guys have been plucked from other teams other than like Brian Dable, and a couple of them have gone to college and other jobs. But for the most part, this is a lot of the same guys they've had for quite some time. Your foundation is continuity and culture, how far away from that are you going to go to make changes? Like when we talk about Ken Dorsey, for example, let's say hypothetically Brandon Bean agrees with you that homeboy's got to go. Like you're trying to be Brian Dable light. You're not Brian Dable. We need someone who has their own original ideas, right? Or just not a psychopath because we know Ken Dorsey is a psychopath. Um, that laugh was hilarious in the offseason and tablet throwing was pretty funny too. But <laughs> If he, Brandon Bean says, we're going to go a different direction, okay, this would be a change in continuity. This would be Josh Allen's third offensive coordinator, and this is a change of offense. You're, you're drastically going to change the playbook, change your style. Got to get different players, offensive linemen, running backs, receivers to fit, whatever that style is, and then how does Josh Allen bring a new relationship in? You're, you're, you're messing with the chemistry, right? Because the Bills were still a top – seven offense in the NFL was the first year offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, new quarterback coach. Um, 
I just don't know if I believe that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are going to go the route of getting rid of the continuity because that's been one of their strengths. But you also have to wonder, is continuity also one of your weaknesses now? Because when you face these elite teams where you haven't seen Joe Burrow in this offense, if you're the Bills, the Bengals have six years of footage on your defense. They have six years of foot, five years of footage on your offense. I mean, they're not watching that much film probably in sure. one week. But sure. I think you get the point that with Leslie Frazier's defense, he's been an elite defensive coordinator for the Bills for all six years. And it's not like they're going to magically become a 3-4 scheme. It's not like they're going to throw a new blitz package that you've never seen before. The point is these players are able to play so fast because they know the scheme inside and out. They're able to sub in on injuries. When some guy goes out, you can bring in a Jaquan Johnson who's been in the system for three years and knows exactly what to do. And, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not DeMar Hamlin. He's not Micah Hyde. But he can come in and hit the ground running. You don't have to simplify things because it's, it's got so much continuity. I don't believe the Bills will mess with that. I don't think that you're going to see a change of defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator because I think Brandon Bean and Sean McGurn are going to look at this and say, yes, we need to change some things. Yes, we need to get more creative. But we think we can get creative with the minds in this room that we already have. 80% of the defense and offense should stay the same. The other 20%, we got to find new wrinkles. we got to find new ways to get people off balance because right now, if they look at the film and think they're predictable, then I would not be very surprised because that continuity, while it's a strength, I think at times against the elite teams especially might be their weakness too. So this is the broader point of when I started the episode saying I'm pessimistic about this offseason. This is going to be one of the most challenging off seasons that Brandon Bean has had in his tenure in Buffalo, because if I'm looking at objectively at this, the core of this season of what needs to improve, Josh Allen needs help. He played hero ball so many times this season that I think to be honest, if we're being honest, I feel like Josh Allen was masking a lot of flaws and deficiencies with this team because, to be honest, Allen and Diggs were the only two consistent offensive turnouts of the season. You know, Gabe Davis, hit or miss in some games. Either is playing lights out or is non-existent. The slot wide receiver was completely gone. You know, I know Jameson Crowder was hurt. They tried Cole Beasley, Khalil Shakir. That, the slot receiver was basically non-existent this season. The running game, again, non-existent. Devin Singletary had, was okay. Uh, they traded for Naheem Hines, barely used him, if anything, other than special teams. Uh, they started using James Cook a little bit at the end of the season, and he started making progress. Um, I look on the defensive side of the ball. Pass rush wasn't there, right, in this game against the Bengals. Non-existent. The secondary was banged up, injured and was scorched. And that's that's the broader point I'm having, is that there's a lot of holes that the Bills need to fix. And they don't have a lot of resources this offseason. You know, they only have about $5 million in cap space. You've got guys like Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, Devin Singletary, who are going to be free agents. You can't bring them all back. I think Jordan Poyer probably played his last game in Buffalo this year. 
don't know if they're going to bring back Devin Singletary. Do they bring back Tremaine Edmonds? Do they place him on a franchise tag for a $17 million cap hit? You know, uh, do you cut Naeem Hines, Mitch Morse? Who are you bringing back? Who are you letting go? Who are you cutting? You know, and then the draft, they have picks in rounds one through four, then two in round five. They might get some compensatory picks. Um, there's a lot of holes that this team needs to fix, and they don't have a lot of resources. Oh, and also, too, the offensive line was completely ignored this offseason. W- they tried with Roger Saffold, but the offensive line is not good enough. We've talked about this at length through the course of this season, you and I. Um, you, you more so especially. There's so many areas that has to be addressed, and they don't have a lot of financial resources. Draft could be good if they land the right picks. I'll I'll trust Brandon Bean to do his thing, but this is where the Bills have now hit cap hell, and that's kind of the consequences of right. You're signing long-term deals for Josh Allen, Tre'Davious White, you know Milano and and Dawkins and so on and so forth, and all those guys deserve those contracts. And let me be very clear on that. But now they've hit cap hell, and to me, what's scary is that I am seeing. The same thing, what happened with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, right? That Aaron Rodgers was kind of bailing out the Packers in so many instances, and now the Packers have hit ultimate cap hell and are trending downward. The Bills have just started cap hell, and I don't know how they can address all these areas and where they need to improve with the limited resources that they have this offseason. It is going to be incredibly challenging for Brandon Bean. But Brandon Bean knows that. He's He's big baller bean. I mean, when it comes to wizardry of the cap, I do trust Brandon Bean and those capologists over there in Buffalo to figure out exactly how to maneuver, maybe shift some guys to get guaranteed money and all those different things. They'll be in the market for who they need to be in the market for. Are they going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins and lose nobody? No, that's not, no, that's not a thing, right? Um, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason because of that and because, you know, again, if things are getting a little stale and you're not going to change the coaching staff, you're not going to necessarily change the schemes, but you want to bring some different juice in different spots, you know, new players are going to be part of that equation. Um, the offensive line has been a problem. It, it's been a problem for a long time. And my conclusion on that is Brandon Bean, he's big baller Bean, I, he's a phenomenal drafter in my view. I know some people are going to say he hasn't had all pros in the last four years. Yeah, well, he's drafting bench players every year because your roster is so deep, right? These guys aren't you know, asked to do what a lot of the other rookies are asked to do on other teams. But irregardless of all that, the one knock that I have on Brandon Bean has been he is a not-so-good evaluator of offensive linemen. He's swung and missed mm-hmm. on some draft picks. He's swung and missed, notably on what, the Wyatt Teller trade? Like, that yep. didn't work out because he's pretty good in Cleveland. He's swung and missed on even the guys that he's, like, smartly doing the, I'm going to do a one-year deal on Clinton Spain. We're going to get him from Tennessee. Oh, he played good. Let me give him a long-term deal. Oops, that didn't work out because we're going to cut him the next year. He's swung and missed on those, even those trial guys that you think, oh, now they're in the building. It, it's a short-term view on those. Roger Saffold's the next one, right? I like Roger Saffold. I hope that he comes back. But he was on a one-year deal, and we've seen this before. 
is Brandon Bean going to give him another one-year deal or a couple-year deal? And then are you going to be in the same boat you are next year because you didn't address left guard in any concernable way? Ryan Bates probably should not be your starting right guard. I like Spencer Brown at right tackle, but it was just like his rookie year. It just did not progress consistently enough. Deion Dawkins is, a, is an above-average left tackle. You're paying him franchise money because that's a premium position. But like a lot of guys who are not – you know, the elite of the elite. And there's only like one or two of those, right? So we're not, I'm not knocking Deion Dawkins, but when he faces elite pass rushers, like he did against the Bengals. And I love, I love Hendrickson and Hubbard on the edges. Those two guys, they are large. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say large. They can just do a lot of, they seem like they're powerful defensive ends and they're very lengthy, right? Like they're very long, but they can get their paws up on things. They can cause fumbles. They were a problem for both Brown and Dawkins equally. Um, and you're going to run into them again. The Chiefs have some elite pass rushers that are younger. So the offensive line needs to get better. And I don't necessarily trust Brandon Bean to fix it. I, just based on his track record, it's worth trying. You do exactly what he's been doing. Bring in some free agents. Bring in some guys in the draft and hope one of them hits, right? Hope Aaron Cromer can be the offensive line coach whisperer that with a second season with himself, with Aaron Cromer, that these guys take another step in the right direction. We'll see what happens. Josh Allen is definitely playing hero ball. He's definitely the playmaker, but a lot of elite quarterbacks are, and that's what makes them elite. I, I don't know how much you can change that. If you think Josh Allen's holding mm-hmm. the ball too long, is that because he's holding the ball too long and he knows he can – create time with his legs and arm or are the receivers not getting separation? And then we're going to go into let's find some receivers who get separation. The issue with the receivers this year, you were, you are correct. Gabe Davis didn't make much strides that we thought he was going to have this phenomenal year. Isaiah McKenzie is who they invested in after they let Cole Beasley go. Both of them had drops. So we're back to an off season of how do you get receivers who don't drop the ball? Is it the way Josh Allen's throwing it at him? Gabe Davis played through an injury again midway through the season, kind of cannonballed his production midway through. He got back on track towards the end. Thought he played pretty well in the playoffs, personally. I mean, that there was some that touchdown this this week, uh, pretty impressive stuff. But it's just it's still flashing, right? It's not mm-hmm. consistent. And if you're a number two receiver on an elite team that's gonna see your number one, get doubled all the time. You got to be more consistent and make teams pay. He just doesn't do it every time. So this off season, I think we can just go right into it and kind of like ease our way into this kind of thought process. If you're Brandon Bean, um, we'll talk free agents here in a second, but I think when you evaluate this season, Jordan, let's just start with the basics. What went right this off season that you want to carry into next season and maybe what went wrong this offseason that you don't want to carry into next season? Oh, well, I guess what they, I think what they did right is I think the Von Miller signing was good. I think that, yes, it was a steep contract, but up until his injury, he was playing like that contract. You know, he was playing up to par. Um, I liked the addition of James Cook. I think he can be really good if they utilize him, actually, and not just forget about him. Um, I thought Kyrie Elam progressed, especially at the end of the season, as a corner. And 
I really hope that he is able to fight for that, um, you know, starting second corner job. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think Greg Rousseau had some nice development. I thought Matt Milano and Tremaine Emmons played fantastic. Milano especially. I thought probably of all the players who kind of took, you know, progressed, Matt Milano progressed even more so. First team All-Pro. Um, was really, really proud about that. In terms of what went wrong, I, you know, a lot of things. I think the one thing that sticks out to my mind is the running game or the lack thereof of that. Once again, Josh Allen was kind of your only consistent runner. You know, look at the Chiefs, you know, look at the Bengals, Joe Mixon, Chiefs, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They don't have that running back. You know, Devin Singletary is a free agent this season. Do they bring him back? I don't know. If I'm, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm kind of letting him walk. There's better options. You got to find a real running back. And they didn't have that. And I think that's in part of this whole kind of mess of a pie is that a layer of it is they just didn't have a run game. I mean, we, again, this is something that we've talked about all season long, lack of a run game. And that they'd be like, well, David Singletary had uh, he looked good. He had a run or two here that looked really good, but it was never consistent. It was never consistent, and again, there was that pressure of, well, you don't have a run game, you didn't have a slot receiver, so your only options are kind of, uh, you know, running the ball for three or four yards maybe, and then having Josh Allen run it or throw it 40 yards and hope that it's a big play for a touchdown. Um, you know, the, the, a lo I will say that... A lot of it, too, comes down to, as just looking at the season overall, looking at it from a grander picture, just beyond just this game against the Bengals, right? In terms of what went wrong, you know, obviously there was the things they couldn't control, like the injuries and, you know, the, you know all other things, right? Um, but for me, when I look at it, it comes down to execution. It comes to decision-making. It comes to play calls it those are the things that really really went wrong and that's to me the frustrating part is that we know this team has the capability to to make it all the way but they just it feels like they shoot themselves in the foot so many times and i, I i'm left wondering how the hell are, are they gonna how are they gonna fix this I don't know, and I'm not super um, excited to see what their response is, given, again, the lack of money and cap space and the lack of resources that they'll have this offseason. I'll just say before I get to my, my, my strengths and weaknesses from this season, I'm excited because they have to get creative, right? You can't stay status quo. You're not going to upend everything. Like, we know this is not going to be like a teardown operation, right? Like, okay, let's just reset the board. Let's trade Gabe Davis. Let all these people walk. We'll trade Milan. And it's not going to be all that, right? They're going to give it another shot with this core group as long as they can. And to do that, you're going to have to be very creative. And it's going to, if you're sad about the offseason because someone you really, really like is going to leave, okay, get expect that, right? They're not going to bring in another Von Miller. 
they're not going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They're not going to trade for Dalvin Cook to be like this dynamic duo with James Cook or anything crazy like that. But I think they're going to get savvy, and they are a team right now that is one of those proverbial contenders that if you're a veteran and you want to be on the national stage or you want to be in contention, you'll take less to go to Buffalo where you're guaranteed to be primetime. And I still firmly believe guaranteed to be in the playoffs next year as long as Josh Allen stays healthy, that they are still going to be the AFC East kind of favorites heading into this. And during the Super Bowl, you'll see the odds for next season. The Bills will be a top-four team from Vegas, too. It's just the way it's going to be. But like we mentioned, you have the Chiefs, you have the Bengals, the Jaguars look like they're starting to figure it out, too, and you still don't know where Lamar Jackson's going to go and you still don't know what this Deshaun Watson experience in Cleveland is going to be like either, I think there's some very interesting quarterbacks along the way that are going to make it harder. And the AFCs, too, all three of those teams took a big step forward this year from maybe expectations. Um, so you've got to work on that. But I'll, you took a couple of mine, but I'll say the things that went right for the Bills this offseason, that Matt Milano contract sure looks nice, doesn't it? That, I mean, he had a tremendous season. He was one that we thought was going to be a free agent, and surprise, surprise, he's back in Buffalo. And this defense looks real good when he's out there on the field. Um, they have a tough decision with Tremaine Edmonds, but in terms of what they decided with Matt Milano, ding, 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 good job. You made the right investment because that seems to be paying off in spades. This rookie class, they all flashed at different times. They all played pretty well at various times. And you got contributions from everyone except for the punk god who really only got contributions of sending him home. Christian Benford, late-round cornerback, had some big moments and started at multiple times for the season. Kair Elam, like you said, I think they were easing him in. You wish they would have done more with him. But once he figures out how to turn his head around when he's defending guys and look for the ball, he could be a number one cornerback based on what I saw. Uh, James Cook got better and better and better. And granted, James Cook, remember his first carry of the year, he fumbled um, and then never saw the field again against the Rams. My oh my, he was an electric player when he just entered the field at any given time. Um, Khalil Shakir. That guy looks like he's going to offer something, doesn't he? He looks like someone who flashes and looks like someone that Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey were starting to trust more and more as the season went on. Um, but then you have the flip side of that. What didn't go well, Jordan? Um, I, I'm not as upset with Gabe Davis. Again, the drops are a problem. But Isaiah McKenzie did not go well for the Bills. They invested in him. They kept him when he was potentially going to Chicago and a few other places. You let Cole Beasley go, and where are we at the end of the year? Oh, Cole Beasley's back, and maybe he comes back next year too. Um, That didn't work. Yes, Jameson Crowder, like you said, he was injured all year, but Isaiah McKenzie was supposed to lock down that slot receiver position and be that third and Beasley-type player for Josh Allen, and because of the drops, he just wasn't it. He was hardly on the field. I didn't see even the jet sweeps that I hate all the time. He wasn't really there all that much contributing. And I think if you're looking for disappointment for me, it just starts with Isaiah McKenzie as a missed opportunity because he could have really solidified himself with that contract as a potential piece moving forward. Now, like you said, if they're looking for money, I'll have to look at the spot track a lot more leading up to the off season. 
that seems like an obvious cut candidate, someone that I did not think would be an obvious cut candidate because of the way he played against New England a couple of years ago, um, the way he evolved in this offense, the speed that he brings, but he's not returning the ball. That was Naeem Hines, right? Khalil Shakir did some of that. James Cook did some of that. He's not catching the ball because he's dropping it. Um, that's going to be a very difficult offseason decision. And, again, they brought in John Brown. They brought in Cole Beasley. Clearly, clearly they weren't trusting what they were getting from the slot, and it showed. Um, so that that's a big disappointment for me. And, and, again, the offensive line, I wasn't that I – mean, they played how we thought they were. I thought they had their moments. They also didn't have their moments. They did better. And the run game itself overall this season, end-to-end, did pretty – they, they made a market improvement in my estimation. Yes, you have a tough decision with Motor. Yes, I like Motor. I'm okay bringing him back in James Cook because he's probably going to be cheaper than some other options depending on where you go. But I thought overall the running game itself was better than last year because last year the first 11 games it was non-existent, if you recall. And then Devin Singletary became this kind of unstoppable force down the stretch. Um, he never got to that point again, but – I thought with James Cook and Devin Singletary and the offensive line, they were really starting to do something right along the way. So, um, disappointed. Those are my things I liked. Those are things I didn't like. Now, Jordan, I want to go to the next piece if we can here, and that is got to look at my show notes. Hold on. Hold mm-hmm. on. Um, what is the off-season focal point? So, again, we kind of previewed this a little bit. You know, one year it was guys who can catch the ball. The next year it was anybody that can stop Patrick Mahomes from scrambling or guard Travis Kelsey. Um, it's tough because the way it ended, but what is it this year? What is the one focal point they have to have this offseason? I think the theme for me is help Josh Allen. That is the focal sort of theme, like, you know, of this offseason, I think they have to look at finding a dynamic running back. You know, we heard, you know, that they were kind of maybe rumoring for Christian McCaffrey, right? And, you know, look at what happened. He gets straight to the 49ers. The, the offense just explodes, and the 49ers are in great position to potentially win a Super Bowl, right? Um they need to find a dynamic running back. You know, they need to get somebody in the backfield who can run the ball consistently. I I just have to disagree with you on Devin Singletary. I just, I think he's good, but he's not good enough. Not for what is needed for this team. Um, they need to find that dynamic running back, that true RB1 who can take pressure off of Josh Allen, establish a solid run game, so Allen's not having to play hero ball all the damn time. I think, you know, we'll talk about the draft, too. There's There are some options, you know. Uh, B. John Robinson from Texas. Jamar Gibbs from Alabama. You know, like, maybe this is the year I feel pretty comfortable and maybe they go running back in round one if it's available or if it's feasible, right? Um, they need to find the a solid running game and that also comes with the offensive line of they can't you know they can't do these one-year deals of like let's try this out and see if it works um that's probably what brandon bean's gonna do again but i think that also too 
this offseason, expect trades from Brandon Bean. Expect not like, you know, oh, we'll trade a seventh-round pick for a sixth-round pick. Like, legitimate trades because if the Bills want to make moves happen, they're going to have to probably deal some guys. I think that's very well something that we could see this offseason. I don't know what kind of trades. I don't know how big they are. I'm not saying like a Stephon Diggs level, oh, they would trade for a superstar, but I think there's going to be enough trades to try to move cap space around to try to get guys into the building. Um, so the the overall theme this offseason is help Josh Allen. That is the key to me. You have a superstar quarterback. Help him. Build around him. Give him more weapons. Load him up at wide receiver. Load him up at running back. Get him an offensive line that can help. Load, you know, load up the defense in terms of secondary, of more pass rushers. Help Josh Allen. That is the central point of this offseason, for me at least. And that's good. I mean, again, anytime you can help Josh Allen, I, I'm still with convinced, like, again, if you give him protection offensive line that's dominant or that can create a dominant run game, that's going to help him in a lot of those situations where he's not in his A game. But like you said, if you want more playmakers or a different set of playmakers, right, um, you can get a receiver anywhere in the draft. There's a lot of guys in free agency. There's a lot of running backs in free agency that are very interesting names, but also running backs in the draft. You just have to plug them in and understand that they're going to have some growing pains. But look at the look at the rookies from this last year draft class. I mean, good Lord, can you imagine George Pickens on this team, right? I mean, there's some weird talent and weird athleticism continuing to come out. And we'll, Jordan, get ready. Mock draft season's coming up. I'm I'm doing my best to resist. I've already sent you like four YouTube mixtapes. You have. You certainly have. I'm still not there. Um, I will get there. But I'm I. He's he is already hyping me up in terms of of the draft footage. Yes. Yes. And I and also um, with those mixtapes, there's a lot of uh, viewer discretion is advised on the language of the rap songs that accompany them. So just be aware of your audience, you know, don't be just out all the time with a volume cranked up. But I'll, I'll switch it up here. I'm just looking for wrinkles this offseason, and wrinkles being this year felt like the Bills coaching staff were behind the eight ball in a lot of games. And part of it is because of the coaches that are now in the AFC East. Robert Sala defensively, he's really good. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. He was really good schematically in San Francisco. He's not lost it when he's gotten to the Jets. But this year, he was able to finally get him some horses defensively that can run his scheme, and the Bills have some problems with it. And they're going to get better because they're going to add more to it, right? The Miami Dolphins with Mike McDaniel, hey, is two of the guy. Is two of the guy. Well, he has an offensive coach who certainly seems like a guy who can get the most out of him, and they added Tyreek Hill. That offense has created some problems for this Bills defense both times they've played them. It's no longer you're going to get eight sacks on Tua, a few interceptions, and you know just hang out and just bounce Miami by 40 points. Schematically, this, this coaching staff is now having to play catch-up with some of these other new, younger geniuses. I'm not calling the Bills old farts, right? Okay, I'm not doing that. But these are very smart individuals that are on the Bills coaching staff. And while I'm not saying that they need to go, I think this year they need to look at the film. They need to look at what some of these other teams might be doing and say, okay, we can add a wrinkle here that people don't expect from us, and we can add it consistently throughout the year. Probably multiple, right? 
this is where I get into the draft and the and things like okay, do you want when Lorenzo Alexander was on the Bills, they looked kind of funky because you didn't know if he was going to be a four three three four end. It's not a typical thing for Sean McDermott, and over the years you've seen how they've been drafting true prototypical defensive ends. Gregory Rousseau is a large, large mammal. A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham. Von Miller is kind of hybrid, right? He'll stand up, but for the most part, the guys that they typically like to draft and bring in, their hands in your dirt, you know exactly where everyone is. I just want to see defensively, especially what wrinkles they can add, and can they get a little more creative or you know, it doesn't have to be crazy blitzes. You don't need to just, hey, this drive, we're going to go bear defense. And don't be stupid. I mean, come on. But definitely the film is out on you. And it's time for you. With It could be because if you have different personnel, you got to do some things differently. They were able to adjust without Tredavious White. For the most part, they fought through it. He'll be back. Micah Hyde will be back. That secondary is going to look a little different and a little fresher next year. But if you're not going to be able to get any pass rush without Von Miller, dude ain't getting any younger. He's coming off a serious injury. Um, you got to get more creative. You got to make these quarterbacks question what they're seeing, get back to people seeing ghosts against you. I just want to see some wrinkles. And offensively, too, same thing. I mean, it's harder to tell because they have so many weapons out there. They're running so many different routes. Ken Dorsey, if he was trying just to not mess up what Brian Dable did, I think now's a great opportunity for him to say, you know what? I'm not Brian Dable. I'm Ken, the psychopath Dorsey. Let's see what we can do and, and add some wrinkles in there. They have personnel to do it. James Cook only ran 20 passing routes. That seems like a crime for what he, his skill set is coming out of Georgia. But again, his first year, maybe this next year, you're going to move him around a little bit, but I'd like to see more of that. So this off season, I just want to see them, Focus on getting wrinkles. Focus on having a bigger skill set and not being so, I don't want to say behind, but they won with their talent. The team brand of being assembled is way better than most every team they face, but they schematically seem like they were playing catch-up in a lot of scenarios. So I think that's one thing I want them to focus on this offseason. Next up, Jordan, I want to take a quick detour. Um, we'll get to the offseason free agents here in a second, but before we do, one thing of note, just because we'll talk about it, we didn't talk about Stefan Diggs kind of losing his proverbial mind at the mm-hmm. end of the game there and screaming at Josh Allen and, and kind of leaving the locker room in a hurry. He's getting a lot of media buzz today. Sean McDermott downplayed it and said that he wants that type of energy and he expects it and he knows that's who Stefan Diggs is. He's passionate and he's trying to win. Josh Allen downplayed it. Everyone's downplaying it except for people not from Buffalo. Uh, this offseason is a big one, and you're seeing them this already in press conferences. Isaiah McKenzie said, he and Stefan Diggs talked, and it's like, not again. You know, why does this keep happening to us, right? They're, they're in that proverbial, can I get over the hump mode. Um, any issues with Stefan Diggs in general? Any concerns? Is he a trade piece that you're looking at? No, I'm, I'm not concerned. And he just kind of went on a, a little bit of a Twitter, I wouldn't say rant, but basically saying something along the like, you know, am I going to be okay with losing? Nah. Am I going to be okay with playing down to the standard we're playing? No. Um, he's passionate. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's a cooler heads prevailable situation that he was frustrated, right? Um, reportedly, it was coming out that he had kind of ran in the locker room first and sort of undressed and was trying to get out of there before half the team had even come back to the locker room, but he stayed 
you know, um, but, and obviously he wasn't there today for, or he was there today, but he didn't speak with the media. Um, I don't have a problem with this. Um, he's frustrated. He's, he's very much where Bill's fans are feeling. And he is that competitor, that fire, that edge. No, Stefan Diggs is not going anywhere. I think him and Josh Allen and the guys are going to have a long, lengthy conversation. Um, you know, people are like, some people have been like, oh, Diggs is a bad teammate. That's, that's, that's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. I, I don't mean to swear, but that's ludicrous. I mean, did we not see three weeks ago when DeMar Hamlin was injured that he was going to the hospital with no phone, no camera. He's just going there because he's checking on his teammate and his brother. You know what I mean? He's passionate. He cares. He gives a damn. And no, I don't have a problem with Stefan Diggs. He, you know, could he have handled things better? Sure. But I have no problem with Stefan Diggs expressing his emotion. You know, he's frustrated and rightfully should be after that game. And if he has to be the quote-unquote bad guy for this, then so be it. But I, I'm I'm 100% behind Stephon Diggs' back. I feel every emotion that he's feeling um, from yesterday and today. Agreed. I mean, there's no, to me, no issues with what he did. You always want people to be professional, and you can look back and say, oh, you should have been more professional. It's an emotional game. He's an emotional player. We've seen him blow up a little bit on the sidelines, more so this year than previous years. But that, again, goes back to the Ken Dorsey piece of this. It goes back to Josh Allen. You have a number one receiver. That these are, that's the, mo- the emotion that most number one receivers play with is different, and you've got to cater to it. You've got to make sure they get the ball early and often, stay involved in the game. He's a captain. He'll be fine. He's not going anywhere. He and Josh Allen are already planning their retirement home together, if you listen to them. They are fine, and he's a big, big, big reason why they're in the position they are in to begin with. He's having phenomenal years with this team. He's hitting career years for himself. He just wants that to translate in the playoffs, and it gets harder, and it comes down to being able to execute better. And I think when he looks back at some of the plays that didn't go his way, he'll see the duress that Josh Allen was under. And it wasn't because Josh Allen was holding on the ball too long all the time. It, it was guys were in his face, and it's hard to make throws down the field when you do that. Um, so I think it's a Ken Dorsey adjustment that will take place. But, yeah, he's fine. Agreed. All right, Jordan. Free agents. We're going to talk a lot about this in the offseason. I'm not going to spend too much time here. But I want to run down the list just to get it out in the open. And I want you to tell me who's, who would you prioritize coming back and who would you maybe not prioritize coming back. So here we go. Free agents. Jordan Poyer, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, Roger Saffold, Cole Beasley, and John Brown. I just put them in there because, you know, they only played for like three games. Case Keenum, Tyler Medikevich, Tremaine Edmonds, Jameson Crowder, David Quisenberry, Taiwan Jones, Sam Martin, Greg Van Roten, Ike Bucker, Jake Kumaro, Dean Marlowe, Bobby Hart, AJ Klein, Devin Singletary, Tyrell Dotson, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, Jaquan Johnson, Thomas Sweeney. I will go first real quick. I think they need to prioritize bringing Tremaine Edmonds back. Correct. That's the one that makes the most sense to go all out to make sure that he's here to stay. Thinking of Sean McDermott's defense, what they had in Carolina, what they're building here in Buffalo, dude's only, what, 23? He seems like a very sound investment, and, and the age does matter if you're thinking of big money between him and Jordan Poyer, 23 versus late 20s. Um, it, Tremaine Edmonds should be your priority. He's also a first-round pick that we forget about because he happened to be in that same first round as 
some other guy that the Bills have who's okay, right? Um, but I think Trey Edmonds is my priority free agent of all the guys on there. There's some special teams one too, Jordan, that I'm excited about too to see what they do. Um, but the guy that I think that they could say adios to, um, Bill fans want me to say Bobby Hart. I mean, I don't know how he's still hanging around, but he's always there. I think personally, the other one that I'm like, okay, I think it's time potentially. It could be Devin Singletary, but just to stay consistent, I'll say Dane Jackson's the one that they don't bring back because of what they did in the draft last year. And I think they go more drafting of defensive backs again because they need a lot of bodies there. I'll be very clear. The one player I agree that should be prioritized is Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I'd like to see Jordan Poyer back. I'd like to see Devin Singletary back. I'd like to see Dane Jackson back. I don't know if necessarily they're going to go for that route. But if there's one player you're going to fight to keep, it's going to be Tremaine Edmonds to me. Um, I think Jordan Poyer is gone. I, you know, We talked about it at the beginning of the season of them trying to work on a contract extension. It never came. We're still here. No contract extension. I unfortunately think Jordan Poyer may have played his last game as a Buffalo Bill. And that is really sad to say because I love Jordan Poyer. I think he's phenomenal. But given the, again, cap situation, I don't think Poyer's coming back unless they find a, you know, 11th hour, you know, contract extension. I don't think Jordan Poyer is coming back next year. And that's really sad. Agreed. I mean, again, the record this year with him, pretty notable, wasn't it? I think they're going to still try to do everything they can. Both of those sides want to be here. But again, money's money. There's a finite amount that you can spend in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with that. Next, draft order is set. The Bills are now picking at 28. Sad to say, it's a little too early, but they are picking there. Um, we're going to use our Twitter account, two Bills in a Pod, at twitter.com. Feel free to follow us. I think we're going to start doing a little more draft profiling or at least uh, picking some players that we're excited about, seeing if you agree. Um, could be from any single round. Feel free to in- interject. I know you're not there mentally, Jordan. And I'm not there yet either to say um, who do you want, but are, is there anyone just from this college season, maybe not so that you've analyzed it close enough that you're like, that's the guy that I want. Because, again, years past, we were the Travis Etienne people. Um, didn't happen. Darn you, Urban Meyer. But there were – there were some guys that were like, this is a slam dunk. Get this if you can. It feels like the range of picks where the Bills will be going at. Um, we haven't looked at the mocks yet. We, we're not getting too deep. But is there anyone that you're banging the drum for that, like, already you want to you want to take your claim to? Two years ago, it was Travis Etienne. Last year, we were talking about Brees Hall. I'm going to continue with funny backs. Bijan Robinson from Texas. Um, without really doing too much... I think that he is someone that could be potentially a game changer in the running back position. Is it going to happen? Probably not because the bills are unlucky and we've just kind of can't get what we want. Um, yeah. Him or Jamar Gibbs from Alabama. I think those two to me intrigue me right off the bat. Um, I, I am on board with the running back in round one train. I am, Starting off this, you know, draft offseason process with running back round one, chugga chugga choo choo. Um, so yeah, Bijan Robinson, Jamar Gibbs, those two stand out to me. 
we'll see how the offseason goes. But those two immediately, I'm like, maybe this is the year we finally go running back round one. That's a good choice. I'm not ready to, to state my claim yet. I'm still doing my research here. I'm going to take my time because it's not obvious to me. But I'll give you a couple names. B. John Robinson, I'll definitely take a look at. He, he might go as high as the top 10. He might go bottom 30. You know, it's really weird, isn't it, um, how running backs go? Um, I'll tell you where I think the Bills will go. There's a safety out of Texas A&M. Tell me if you've heard this one before. He's a senior. He's a multi-year mm. captain. Uh, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. I sent you his information on YouTube. You sure um, did. I think he's. I think he's one. Especially when we talk about, you're not going to probably be able to resign Jordan Poyer. Um, he fits the Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott stereotype. <laughs> There's a better way to say it. Um, he just fits it right. So I think that's who it's end up going to be most likely to unless they move up and there's someone they fall in love with. The one that I'm kind of also thinking about in terms of just my own personal take, again, Antonio Johnson is who I think it's going to end up being already. But there's a long time till then. I'm very curious about Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. That's one, again, if you're sour on Gabe Davis, I want to see his catch range radius or not catch range, but his catching percentage for Jordan Addison. But that's a big body, and you look again. What did the Bengals do? They had too many weapons for you defensively to even come close to matching up with. Um, maybe a first-round receiver is not out of the realm of possibility for this team just to add to the mix and get, like you said, more playmakers where teams just can't tee up on Josh Allen. All right. We're going to skip the AFC East. We've kind of already gone over, but I do want to go around the NFL, Jordan, because there's a couple things that really make me giggle. First and foremost, let's just go with this, if you care. Who's left that you'd actually like to see win the Super Bowl of the final four remaining? I'm still on the bandwagon of the Bengals, you know, in terms of, you know, they're very similar in terms of how Buffalo has been, right? You know, last year they were got all the way to the title game and they just fell short. I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I feel like there is this camaraderie what we have with the Bengals that it feels like, well, if it's not us, it's, I hope it's you guys and vice versa. Um, you know, in some weird way, maybe if they win it all, you can kind of vicariously kind of feel what that moment could be like for Buffalo um, if and when that moment happens. So I'm rooting for the Bengals. I I know I sh- maybe shouldn't be, but, you know, these two franchises are linked for a lot of reasons. And I just think Cincinnati's a, you know, they got great fans. They're a good franchise. Uh, and I, you know, if there's anyone else who, you know, if, if it's not going to be the Bills to win, I, w- I would not mind at all if the Bengals won at all. I'd be pretty content. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like seeing franchises that have been long starving for, for winners. I know Bills fans are a little sour on Bengals fans and, and some of the players for some of the back and forth that happened. But, hey, that happens. You're two very passionate fan bases. I – Again, I, I think the, there's a connection between Cincinnati and Buffalo for, for good and bad reasons over the last several years, going back to the Dalton Boyd touchdown, DeMar Hamlin, obviously. So I think moving forward, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd be okay with the Bengals getting one. And, and there's some truth to the fact that maybe if they get a ring, those guys that are ring chasing on the Bengals that are about to become big-time money free agents are just going to switch over to the money because now they got their ring. Now you got to look out for number one. So. Um, I'm interested in that and how that evolves. But 
hey, I'm okay seeing Mahomes lose too. Next up, Jeff Bezos. Um, sounds like he's uh, definitely uh, serious about this commander's bid. Is that good for the NFL? And I'll tell no. you, first and foremost, my thoughts are simple. Bezos is probably an improvement over Dan Snyder, right? So that's where I'm going with it being better. I, I no, I hate. <laughs> no, he's just got the, no. I just, I'm like, of all the people, I'm like, not, <laughs> not Jeff Bezos. Because he's going to, re- he's literally going to just rename it Amazon Stadium. You know that's exactly what he's going to do. And it's just, he's, he's weird. He's one of those tech guys. He's weird. He doesn't have a personality. So no, ew, gross, no. But he probably will have the money to do it, so just himself. These owners are all really weird, and and none weirder than this one that I want to end on because I can't help myself. The Dallas Cowboys got eliminated. Jerry Jones, he's back in off-season mode. Um, Jordan, there's two things I want to break down. One, their Twitter account, which I don't know if you've gone out and taken a look at, but you really should. Um, The other one is, what was that final play that they ran where Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott was the center and got destroyed and then Scott threw a 10-yarder and that uh, got destroyed? What, what was the thing um, behind that play? If you could, if you could like me. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I watched that and I'm like, you know, I it doesn't take away from the Bills losing, but it made me feel just a little bit better. Just a little bit like, huh. Well, I mean, we didn't do that, I guess. You know, that it, it could I have mean, been. Ken Dorsey didn't. Ken Dorsey did not have that in playbook. I'm <laughs> Ken guessing, Dorsey right? did, did not have Devin you know Singletary line up at center to get absolutely demolished. I mean, at least there was the force. I, I, the only thing I can explain is that I think they're trying to do some sort of pitch and catch sort of thing. But man, <laughs> I. I, I, like, I watched it. I'm like, well, I still, f- I'm sad about the Bills, but I'm like, well, we at least we didn't do it that. Does help. At least we it didn't do that. Help. And when I say when I say I want coaching wrinkles this off season, I don't mean that. That's not the wrinkle that I'm looking <laughs> for. Like just throw a hail mary or anything or yeah. screen pass. Like what was that? I feel like they didn't learn from the Colts when like Pat McAfee hiked the ball to the third string quarterback and then that play blew up against the Patriots. I don't know what was going on, but it was bad. But then if you weren't paying attention to their Twitter account, um, you know the team Twitter account that is paid by Dallas, they come out with this one. Um, a couple of their posts are just, man, brutal. And by the way, they have links to their own website, so it's definitely them. It's not like a hack. Um, this one is probably my favorite. There's two of them. One says, and I quote, plays that might get forgotten include Tony Pollard's game-changing injury and a dropped interception by Trevon Diggs. Burn. Take that, Trevon. And then also, a second post right after, Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss of 49ers. In a matchup, the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. This, nice. is, this is your own team social media. Like, ugh. <laughs> What's going on there? It's, it's not great. Um, but, yeah, Dallas has got a lot of questions this offseason, too. Uh lot to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, I again, I'm with you. It doesn't help that the Bills lost, but man, you start like, well, it could be worse. I guess we could be Dallas fan, right? And so you're you're slowly getting to that acceptance phase. But Jordan, 
we went over, I think we're going to take a week off to kind of decompress and, and just enjoy. We'll come back in two weeks. We get closer to the Super Bowl. No doubt you're not going to be able to. You held me off this week for mock draft. Next time we talk, Jordan, you will. You will mock with me whether you like it or not. Uh, I will. Um, the off season's here, but that will do it for another episode of Two Bills and a Pod. Thank you all for following along this season. If you tune into an episode just one time or all the episodes for following us on Twitter this off se- for this, for this season. Um, we appreciate it. Um, we have a lot of off-season content coming up. We're going to take next week off just because to give ourselves a little bit of rest, a little bit of relaxation, and then we're going to um, dive into it uh, the following week. Um, and make sure to follow us as we got some new stuff coming up. So, uh, again, Two Bills in a Pod, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, follow Daniel on Twitter at GreyBeardHan. Me, Jordan, at Osby44. Thanks for following along the 2022 season. And now the off season officially begins and we will be breaking it all down for you all off season long. Take care. We'll see you in a few weeks. See ya. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.